the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker, and I'm joined with Matt Chamberlain. How are you doing, Matt? I'm having a great day. What about you? It's it's going good, you know? Second week of the podcast, second yes. second official episode. Um, I'm super excited, and um, a lot has been going on with the <laughs> podcast in terms of getting on platforms and just kind of getting everything started. So uh, just a reminder, follow us at NBA. Couch GM Podcast on Twitter. Uh, that's where you can find all of our tweets. We've been tweeting a lot this past week, which has been really awesome. Matt, you've been doing trying a lot to, of that. Trying to keep up on it, you know, whenever I have nothing else to do. Yeah, like, keeping up with those preseason hot takes. Yes. Uh, like the Hornets are going to make the playoffs. Start Villy. <laughs> and um, also, we have gotten on a lot of platforms this week. We are officially on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. So make sure wherever you get your podcasts, you're following us and subscribing us um, on on whatever platform you prefer. And uh, you know, if you feel feel up to it, leave us a rating. That's much much appreciated. And leave a review. I know every other podcast asks for that, but uh, it would just mean a lot to us. We might even read some reviews on this podcast. Man. Yeah, get some shout-outs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, feel free to tweet us your NBA questions um, to our Twitter. Again, that's NBA Couch GM Pod. We'll uh, carve some time out on, on the podcast, future sure. podcasts, to answer questions. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, Matt, take us through uh, our recap of uh, episode one. So, if you missed it, one, go back and listen to it. It's great, I promise. <laughs> um, but in case you don't have time, we understand you got a busy schedule with the NBA season starting up this week. Uh, real quick on what we went through, we had teams that will take a step forward this year. Uh, Charlotte, Milwaukee, Denver, Dallas were our picks there. Teams that will take a step back, we put Washington, Cleveland, Portland, and Houston. On our seasonal awards, I'm not going to go through all of our winners, but we went through MVP, six man rookie of the year defense player of the year and most improved player jared allen for most improved player i'm gonna give my pick right now i'm gonna start plugging that all right (laughs) and then last but not least we went for our playoff predictions for both the east and the west to check out some surprises i I think some good predictions there uh go check out episode one of the couch gm podcast absolutely and uh for this for this episode we're going to be talking about off-season recap we're going to move through things we missed maybe in the last episode uh give some updates on the jimmy butler situation because who doesn't love some nba drama to start off the season and then we're going to get into um some regular season picks and what we got for this week, which is going to be a lot of fun. Matt, the NBA season is upon us. We're on the eve of the NBA season. It's like yeah, Christmas. Uh, so let's uh, let's go through some major off-season moves to get us started here. Uh, let's start with the East. Okay, I can I can take this. I guess being a Boston fan, the East is kind <laughs> of like my it's yeah. kind of my thing. Even though there aren't a lot of interesting teams, but some interesting moves. Uh, first, Atlanta going through with the whole mellow buyout, trying to clear out space. Uh, got off Dennis Schroeder, liked that. The Nets made a flurry of small moves. The Kenneth Farid, Darrell Arthur type moves, just clearing all the cap space. Chicago chose to, for whatever reason, go and get Jabari <laughs> Parker. Um, I guess he played 
Offense? And, yeah. Question I, mark? Yeah, I guess he does stuff. Um, so, sure, take a swing at it, Chicago. What else do you have to lose besides 60 games? <laughs> um, you also brought back Zach Levine on a big deal. Again, sure. Okay. Um, Cleveland, you re-signed Kevin Love. Um, yeah, I guess that's all you had going on this offseason. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the shade is real. <laughs> uh, Indiana, you made some nice little moves, most notably Tyreek Evans. Orlando, you brought back Aaron Gordon, your old top ten pick. Okay, again, not really enthusiastic about a lot of these. And then last but not least, Toronto brought in Danny Green um, and Kawhi Leonard. So, out of all those moves, some significant for this year some building towards the future some i guess you had money to spend um yeah east sure i i'm no, i don't know if i have a hot take on this i feel like i love to have hot takes but on this one i just really don't you just did things you made it through the offseason which in the nba i don't think you should be making it through the offseason but that's what you did so i mean i think toronto did the best in the offseason, in terms I mean, of making their team better. Uh, it, you might have disgruntled the aging star that you have at point guard, but the upside is what we saw with Oklahoma City this summer. And that's yeah. being able to resign, hopefully, who you go out and trade for. But Kawhi is also a different case because he's coming off an injury. and You don't really know. You think you know, but you don't really know. Right. And then if I'm looking at it as a conference, well, there's... 15 teams in your conference and I can honestly say only a couple of them got better this offseason in terms of this coming year maybe for teams like Chicago or uh, Brooklyn almost said New Jersey Nets uh, I have to go do some push-ups for that uh, I mean I guess you're helping yourself in the future maybe um, I don't know didn't love the East offseason but those were some of the bigger moves I had down in the Eastern Conference this year yeah, and I'll, I'll tackle the West because I'm a Thunder fan. That it, It's the best conference right now. Um, of course, the biggest one is LeBron to the Lakers. Uh, also, Rondo moving to the Lakers. I think that's a significant move because, okay. um, I mean, he, he, he's he been on a championship team. He knows how to win, uh, and he's been around uh, okay. championship culture. Carmelo to the Rockets? I kind of have that as a question mark because I don't know if that's actually a big move. Uh, we'll get to that laser later. Trevor Ariza moving from the Rockets to the Suns. That's big because the Rockets had a top 10 defense with him. And uh, as I outlined, as we talked about in the last podcast, I don't think that's going to be the case for the Rockets again this year. Uh, DeAndre Jordan moving over to the Mavericks. Uh, no Twitter emoji thing this time. Nope. Uh, which is a little disappointing. Uh, Paul George resigning with the Thunder this year. Um, and maybe the biggest move of all and most underrated move, DeMarcus Cousins going to the Warriors on a one-year deal. Um, yeah, they have five All-Stars. <laughs> maybe. That's thing. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of intimidating. I, I really like this next move is Julius Randle going to the Pelicans. I think that's kind of a fun move. I don't know if that's going to necessarily equate to stuff uh, keeping... AD later later on, but we'll also touch on that later yep. in the podcast. Uh, Alfred Payton to the Pelicans. Okay. Another question mark. And uh, DeMar DeRozan getting traded to the San Antonio Spurs, which I love. Um, Fair enough. Uh, I don't love losing Kawhi. Whenever you lose a superstar, I think you lose the trade. Anyway, uh, but getting DeRozan back is... I think he's really good. I think he's a really good player, and he's going to fit well in the Spurs system. Um, 
that's about as many hot takes no. I have on that. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it was a weird offseason that I feel like a lot happened. But now sitting here, it's like... Kawhi moved. Okay, we kind of saw that coming. Right. I'd say the out of all of those that you just rattled off, the the ones we didn't see coming quite as much were the boogie. Yeah, move, boogie. Obviously. And then, to me, as a not Thunder fan, the PG-13 re-sign it's, it's, immediately. It's, it's interesting because he is the first non-drafted Thunder player to say, yes, I'm going to stay. Yeah. Um, which is big for a small market team like the Thunder. Um, we see some moves like uh, Chandler Parsons a few seasons ago choosing yeah. to go to Memphis like Grizzlies, which is ended up not being so good for that. Uh, worked out for Chandler Parsons. It works. It's worked <laughs> out great for Chandler Parsons. But there's not a lot of free agents who have said, "Yeah, I'm staying in a small market." Mm-hmm. Um, you saw Kevin Durant leave for Warriors. It's a bigger market, but there are also other incentives there, like winning two championships already in yeah. two seasons. Yeah. Um, so it, it, that is interesting. Whenever the best player in the league moves teams, it's something to take note of. Yeah. I don't know if this year the Lakers are in the top four. We also talked about in the last podcast, so you should go listen to that. Um, we're just going to keep plugging the last podcast. Yes, yeah, go do it. Episode one. <laughs> um, so... What, while we're kind of we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but what moves did you like the most, Matt? So I got two here, and I don't mean for this first one to be a Homer thing, but I thought it was oh, it really is. smart. Just- content. Well, okay, maybe. Um, so Marcus Smart re-signing with the Boston Celtics on yeah. a four-year, fifty-two million dollar deal. It will increase over the four-year time. It's not a flat thirteen million dollars a year. Um, really like that move. One, in case Kyrie leaves. Yeah. Two, in case Terry Rozier leaves. Yeah. Three, it's a tradable asset if you feel like you can get a commitment or you do actually get that commitment from one of those other two players. It's a tradable contract then if you're trying to get a star or just someone else um, that you feel like will really elevate this team. So that was the first one I thought was really useful. It was a good move. Uh, it's team-friendly. Also, Mark Smart, you got paid on average $13 million a year to just play defense. That's I, I mean I that's, that's a really good contract. Great. Really smart move to bring him back and not yeah. let him walk. You yeah. essentially bring back that core um, from last year who was really good and could win six around 60 games yeah. this year. Um, and it, it also kind of like you said guarantees that if Terry Rozier leaves who I think would most likely to be the one who left. I think so. Um you have a backup point guard and a you smart do. one at that. You Not do. to make a pun, but nah. a very smart, That's uh, terrible <laughs> veteran type of point guard who yeah. can fill that role for Kyrie, and it, he's very switchable. He's like an Al Horford of the guards, right? Yeah, switchable, plays intense defense, and is pretty smart. And I find it interesting. I'm comparing it to one of your dude's contracts, Andre Roberson. Oh Roberson, yeah, yeah. However you say his name, uh, that he's on about a ten million dollar a year contract essentially doing the same thing i know marcus smart handles the ball more and, but, shoot, and shoots significantly well, better. <laughs> i mean when you're 
when you're talking about you're still in the 20s for three-point percentage, I mean, better is a loose term. But the fact that he just handles the ball, gets him paid a little more. Also, the cap's gone up a little bit. But that type of contract for a player in these uh, caliber ranges, these skill ranges, overall, I think it's proving to be a pretty smart deal for teams like Oklahoma City and now for Boston. So that was the first move that I thought uh, was a really savvy move, really good one. The second one I have, it's more just as a team rather than a move, and that was Phoenix. Mm. So part of me was really questioning the Trevor Reese signing because it happened so quickly. They got him on a one-year $15 million deal, and what I think I like most about it is I'm not sure if Trevor Reese is going to be on this team at the end of the year, mm. whether that's he gets waived, you know, he asked to get waived, or if he gets traded... But they saw an opportunity to go get a player from a team who very clearly was saying they did not want to touch the luxury tax. So they saw a player that was basically not going to get an offer from the Houston Rockets, said, you're a good player, you can help us. And at the time, Ryan McDonough was trying to save his job. Shout out to Ryan McDonough, no longer employed. Um, Didn't even make it to the season. Nope. Um, But they went for that. And so... At very least, I think they saw an opportunity, a smart one. They took advantage of it. And at the very least, they have a trade asset. So I like that. Overall, I wasn't a fan of DeAndre Ayton going one, but their draft as a whole I thought was pretty solid between Ayton, Mikhail Bridges, Elia Kobo. I like a lot of the things they did and tried to do this offseason. And this is going to sound weird. I liked the Ryan Anderson trade, which I didn't <laughs> expect to be saying that. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's such on such a big weird deal too. Yeah, he is, and he has two seasons left, which is another hindrance. But I mean, you get shooting on a young team yeah. and another veteran presence, yeah. which is which is smart. So I liked that, and then they got off Brandon Knight. So on an almost as bad contract, and for a dude that you almost know is not going to play for you, at least Ryan Anderson can give you some regular season minutes. Mm-hmm. And for this team, playoff minutes aren't a thing. So hey, you got a guy. And then also something else I liked was they got off Marquise Chris, which you can think whatever you want about him as a prospect, but this dude was like leading the lead in missed dunks. <laughs> like that <laughs> That's not a good stat to be for, <laughs> for a big man who is super athletic mm-hmm. and really only skill set is catching lobs. Run, you cannot be room, missing yeah. dunks at the percentage he was. He just really wasn't doing much for that team. They were able to go ahead and get off him, don't have to worry about his options, his potential extensions, anything like that. Maybe he works out in the future and you gave up on him too early, but based off of what you've seen after these first couple seasons, it's been kind of a disaster, and so I liked getting off of him. Yeah, Ryan Anderson isn't your long-term future, but at the sun at some point, you can't just have all young players and then have to be making decisions all around the same time on are we keeping him or are we not. So I kind of like that they kind of develop some clarity mm-hmm. or at least some options for themselves going forward so it's not just a Marquise Chris or we don't know what else. They yeah. kind of have a better idea of what they're going to be going for long term. Now they got to find a GM yeah. who will put this team on a direction, but... On some level, I have to trust that if you can own and reasonably manage an NBA franchise, that you can find a GM that will take these pretty decent pieces and make something out of them. So overall, Phoenix, your offseason, I like it. It's a plus. Yeah, it's a plus. I don't know if I could like grade it, but it's a plus. It's, it's not... 
You're not failing. No, you're not. And it, I feel like that's been them for so long. Yeah. So up and down, up and down, inconsistent. That a just generally positive direction is something that needs to be celebrated. Yeah. So shout out Phoenix. Shout out Phoenix. What'd you have, Ryan? So I, uh, I'm going East Coast first. Uh, well, Eastern Conference, not East Coast. Uh, Pacers signing Tyreek Evans. Wait, Indiana's not on the East Coast? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I'm not gonna answer okay. that. <laughs> uh, Ryan doesn't know. The yep, they're they're in California. Um, I think this this is a really smart move because it brings in some scoring that scoring that is desperately needed on this roster um, and kind of lightens the load on Victor Oladipo a little mm, bit. Yes. Um, and he, again, uh, he is one of those valuable assets in the NBA right now that is scoring switchable. Yeah wing like there's not a lot of these types of players out there who are reliable and so going out and getting that guy that's a really sneaky good move and i think it's going to help them down the stretch and maybe get into a top tier east team like i i feel like whenever whenever you have a star like oladipo who i think is a star okay um at least trending in that direction. If he has another really good season, I think we can categorize him as a star. You need more pieces around that guy. Definitely. Collison is nice. They signed Turner to a long-term deal. Um, today? Was that today? Yeah, yeah that was. So, um, you know, you're starting to see this team take form. DeMontis uh, Sabonis coming out and saying, like... Um, he feels really good about this year. That dude is shredded now, yeah. too. That dude yeah. got in shape. I, and watching a lot of his rookie years at Thunder fan, he looked lost out on the floor. But <laughs> for him to say, yeah, I feel comfortable more this season than any other, it, it gives me some, some, I guess, comfort knowing that maybe this is his year for, to step up and play some serious minutes and play some serious ball. He did last year, last season for the most part. Um, so just kind of getting that Evans, Sabonis, Turner. Um, I think the coach said, uh, uh, who's the coach of the Pacers? Nate McMillan. Thank you. He said that uh, he's going to stray away from Sabonis-Turner lineups, which is kind of interesting. So that means... Evans Turner, Sabonis. Yeah, you know, like what? What is that? What do those lineups look like? Um, But again, scoring off the bench is a huge asset in the NBA, and especially at the wing position where switchable and you can kind of play him on defense for the most part. Yeah, um, which is really nice. So, real quick on that Miles Turner contract, Woj uh, finalized it at four years, seventy-two million, with bonuses that could increase it up to eighty million. So an $18 million a year deal on average didn't give reports on it. If it's a straight 18 a year or if it's going to be a descending contract or an increasing contract over time. So we'll have to keep on the lookout for that. But that's the idea. I think it's a pretty reasonable price for Miles Turner considering where the cap's going projected. I think that's a good deal. So overall, Pacers doing nice. I, I like the direction. After losing Paul George kind of, Getting that redirection pretty quick is really nice for nice to see out of them. Um, it, and back to my thing earlier about losing whenever you lose a superstar or star. I think the Pacers and Thunder won that trade equally last year. Like they both got what they wanted out of the trade, yeah. which is um, not something you'd say about every trade. Anyway, my next pick is the Nuggets off season. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think getting uh, Isaiah Thomas. 
I love that move. God bless Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> because, honestly, coming off the bench, getting another ball handler who can score, um, again, not maybe more of a liability on defense, which this team might not need. But I think it's a, it's a smart move to get someone who can come off the bench who's wanting to prove himself again, yeah. get a contract. He's in a contract year. So just getting him to come off the bench is a big move and is just adds depth to the roster that is desperately needed in the West, especially when you're going through those January, February, uh, March, towards the end of the season. Yeah. Like, you need guys who can score. Um, you get, need guys who can say, okay, here, go get a ball. Like, go get a bucket right now. Yeah. We're down a possession. We need yeah. to tie this game right now. And I think IT is one of those options, not necessarily the guy, but you can run pick and rolls with him and Yoke. Jokic and yep. uh, feel pretty comfortable about that going forward. Yeah. So, anything you would want to add about? We've talked a lot about moves we liked. Yeah. Let's uh, let's just move on to the dislike. Yeah. So I, really, I really want to get into this. <laughs> All right. What do you? Uh, let, why don't you start? Okay. What, so what move did you dislike? The started most? to allude to it earlier on my running through the moves. Um, yeah, not a fan, Chicago. Um, so Zach Levine, <laughs> Jabari Parker. Part of me is just really confused what this team is going for. Because athletic, question mark? <laughs> well, I guess athletic, but I'm also going to say there's not a lot of spacing on this team. Yeah. You have Chris Dunn right now as your point guard, Zach Levine as your two guard, which Zach Levine's jump shot looks really nice. I'm not going to lie. I just want it to go in more consistently. And in order to have the ball go in the basket, you have to be on the floor. Yeah. So that's one of my struggles with this Chicago Bulls offseason is that they went ahead and locked into Zach Levine for four years, I believe it was. Wasn't it so closer to $20 million, too? It was a lot of money. Let me look this up real quick. So Zach Levine signed a contract that will pay him a flat $19.5 million a year for the next four years. So I don't love that after coming off, what, two knee surgeries? Yeah, this dude, he just he hasn't been able to stay on the floor enough for me. And so, to me, Miles Turner got a slightly lesser than this deal. And I know he's a big man, so... And we get into all the time the whole big man versus wing, which one's more valuable. I think it's wings in today's NBA. But would you rather have 70 games of Miles Turner at 18 million or 50 games of Zach Levine at 19 and a half million? Maybe sometimes less. Okay, yeah, exactly. So this is where I struggle the most is Zach Levine's talent matches the statistic or the statistics, and then also matches the contract value. But you have to be on the floor. And that's why I just, I can't fall in love with that contract the same way I'm more already starting to be a fan of the Miles Turner contract. It feels like the Bulls kind of panicked this offseason. They did. Um, And we're like, oh God, uh, (laughs) we haven't won in a while. Um, Okay, who can we get? All right, uh, Zach Levine, yeah, we like you. Okay, um, Jabari, yeah, we, 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 you went to high school here in town. We Let's like you, through. I think. <laughs> you're, a, you're an option. Whereas the same way, whereas like we were saying with Phoenix, they went after Trevor Ariza because yeah. he was an option. His team wasn't going to be able to pay him that. You went for it. It's like, this is the knockoff version of that. Although yeah. Jabari Parker 
probably has more talent than Trevor Ariza. Milwaukee wasn't going to pay him that much money, so the same idea is kind of there. But again, Jabari Parker for $5 million more a year, he's going to be on the floor for, what, 40, 50 maybe 60 maybe. games whereas you can get 70 80 games out of Trevor Ariza and or maybe flip Trade him, him for some sort of useful future asset so that's why I just I didn't love it quite as much um for Chicago and then you decided to and maybe this was a Bobby Portis decision you didn't extend Bobby Portis I think you could have got him at a reasonable number um and I would have liked that a much, much more than Jabari Parker. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm just not an overall fan of their offseason. I like the Wendell Carter draft pick. Yeah. But outside of that, I wasn't a fan of basically anything they did. It's another point to bring up what is this team doing on defense? I saw an article from uh, <laughs> Darnell. Um, Oh, his last name. Uh, he writes for the Athletic. He covers the Bull. Uh, Darnell Mayberry, I think, is his last name. Um, and he wrote like he wrote this article about yeah, this team's not good on defense, and it's only the preseason, which yeah. is not a good sign. No, it's um, outside of Chris Dunn and then Wendell Carter, I guess Robin Lopez. I don't know who else on this team is going to play defense. I like Laurie Markkinen, but that. I'm not expecting not, him to play He's just not that defense. type of player. No, he's not. And I think in his second year, I wouldn't say Fred Hoiberg's exactly a defensive-minded head coach either. I mean, we watched him in college. He's a good coach, but yeah, he's he not. Oklahoma State all the yeah, time. Yeah, he did. Okay, so on that, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I am no, going no, to. Go ahead. So I have a question. Do you think Fred Hoiberg is on the hot seat this year? I think so. I mean, I know he's kind of like the mayor and all that kind of stuff. He had this really great rap coming out of Iowa State. But... I could see some turnover here pretty soon that Chicago commits to the players rather than the coach. And then Fred Horberg's kind of just left on the outside looking in. I could see that happening, especially if they get off to a really terrible start. Like if they start the first half of the year at like, I'm just saying like 12 and 18 or yeah. something real bad. Yeah. And maybe in the East that doesn't totally put you out of it. But if it doesn't start getting much better by game 40, game 50, game 55, I could see things changing. I never advocate for someone to lose their job. Right. But at the same time, I could definitely see it happening with this team. It, it, I guess it kind of depends on like what the outlook of management is yeah. um, of the executives. Because if they understand, well, Anthony Davis coming becoming a free agent in a couple years, we could maybe make a move for him. So maybe it's better for us to be bad now and kind of yeah. accrue some draft picks. And I don't know. It, it Again, it depends. I feel like he just hasn't produced like the offense no. yet that it was kind of promised when he showed up. Yeah, and um, you know, there's that whole debacle with him and Jimmy Butler not really getting along. That's well documented. Yep. Um, so I, I just think that's kind of interesting. Another spin to this Bulls season that could not yeah. be end up very well yeah. for them, uh, especially getting locked into these two players. Yeah, and the fact that they only got the seven pick last year, whenever because yeah. they went on that huge win streak. Yeah, and in theory they should have been more of a top five team. Ended up outside of it. You got Wendell Carter, a nice player. Maybe it ended up working out well for you, but I think it could have gotten a lot better. What if what if Doncic and Doncic and Markinen? I would have liked that a lot more. I feel like you could have let Zach Levine walk at that point. Yeah. You know, you could Go let him sign with the Kings. Yeah, exactly. So I think the options could have been better. 
some of that's their fault, some of it's not, uh, but it could have been better. My other one, this is a tough one when you get LeBron, but I didn't love the Lakers. Um, I mean, the LeBron bit's great. Yeah, um, no need to talk on that. But you lost Brooke Lopez and Julius Randle for nothing, yeah. and I don't I don't love that. You could have done something with Brooke Lopez this, this past year. You could have traded him at the deadline. Um, you could have done something else. And then if you knew you weren't going to bring back Julius Randle, like you just had this feeling or you just weren't sure you wanted to commit to him, again, why did you not trade him? Why did you let him walk? And then walk for almost nothing right. to the New Orleans Pelicans, getting paid under $10 million a year. I don't get that. Brooke Lopez signed for, what, a near minimum with Milwaukee. Yeah. Again, don't get why you didn't try and get something back for him. At the very least, some sort of sign-in trade. I don't know. Something would have been a lot better, especially on Julius Randle. You could have done a sign-in trade on Julius Randle because it needs to be a three-year contract. You could have very easily done that. I'm not sure why you didn't, L.A. You could have just said we were were getting these spots. We just wanted to open uh, roster spots, and then we fill it out how we fill it out. Okay. I'm not sure how it worked out, and that's why I have the meme squad also written down here. Um, Okay, Rondo... I think I like the move, but I'm not sure if I like the move. It could work out really well in their favor. I, I, like, I don't... <laughs> I, I I hear this reasoning for why LA, L.A. has this mindset of, okay, well, in Cleveland, LeBron was surrounded by all shooters, and it worked well. Well, we're going to change it up, and we're going to get playmakers, and playmakers in quotation marks, like... Yeah. Your playmakers are Lance Stevenson and Rashawn Rondo. Yeah, I don't think if that was the goal that you actually met your goal. And Lonzo Ball um, airballed his first three. He's coming off another knee surgery this offseason. I don't trust it. I know he got bigger. I know he put on a little bit more weight. He says, I'm not fixing my shot. I just needed to get stronger. That shot still looks real ugly, though. I'm not saying I'm a shooting expert over here or anything. But, like, you don't think it's a problem that's kind of concerning that potential lack of self-awareness well like what where does the shooting come from like are you gonna say i think brandon ingram could be a very good player but like it rajon rondo's not spacing the floor lebron's not gonna be the one spacing the floor all the time um so i just don't i don't know so if you like we we already plugged it once, I'm gonna plug it again, the Couch GM podcast on Twitter. Um JaVale McGee hit a three for the first time in two thousand one hundred ten days in their the preseason game. Three. Yes he did. So when you ask where's the shooting come JaVale from, McGee. my friend JaVale McGee. And I think that kind of summarizes the point I'm trying to make right here. <laughs> JaVale McGee is knocking down corner threes, and I feel equally good about him knocking down threes as I do right now. I really love it. Luke Walton as a um, head coach. Yeah. I think I think he's a smart, uh, smart coach and can figure it out. I just don't know what LeBron doesn't have a great track record with yeah. head coaches. Um, and this going back to the first time he was in Cleveland, so... Yeah, I get that. I totally get that. Um, that's why I just can't get fully on board. It's hard to say you had a bad offseason when you got LeBron, but you didn't have a great one. So yeah. that's why I, I was mostly I mean, they kind of are still flexible in terms of next season when a lot of players are coming off yeah. the books. Yeah, Michael Beasley will be coming off. JaVale will be coming but off. But that also means you're punting 
a prime year of yeah. LeBron, essentially. Well, that means you got to do this all again next year and hope it works out better. And maybe it will. Maybe there's just going to be more options available for you next year. But you're not guaranteed anything. No. You know, there aren't necessarily going to be a ton of players that may say, I want to play with LeBron or... I want one, be, one said he didn't, and that was Paul yeah, George. Yeah, or you got other players that are like, I'm not a Luke Walton fan, or you know, right. I'm not sure about how I feel with a 30-something-year-old head coach. So there are a lot of things that could go wrong here, so that's why I'm hesitant on what they did this offseason. Yeah. What did you do for yours? So <laughs> I, I asked this question very directly. Pelicans, what are you doing to keep Anthony Davis? All of a sudden, you can just hear Drew Holiday yelling all the way from New Orleans, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> so the question is, okay, so let's let's recap. DeMarcus Cousins goes back to, uh, or goes to the Warriors yep. for one year on a minimum deal. Yeah. And you didn't even talk to him. I know he was wanting a big deal, but going to the Warriors for a minimum deal? Yeah. There's a lot of teams that didn't pick up the phone that should have. Oh, for sure. And you had the opportunity to do that. I get he's coming off an Achilles injury and you're scared of that. But if he was willing to sign a one-year deal, you have to make that call. You have to talk about it. And the Pelicans, from everything I've read, they weren't even... They were going to do it after... They were talking to him in August, possibly. Yeah. When free agency was started on July 1st. Which is just absurd. And, like, going out and getting Julius Randle, fine, cool. You have uh, Miritich, cool, fine. I just don't see another player on this roster who's going to help the Pelicans get to the playoffs. And that's just another year you're wasting of Anthony Davis. Unless you go out and trade someone, but the teams who are willing to trade are probably not going to want to trade because they want to try to keep cap room for this next offseason when you can sign different players yeah. like Anthony Davis. I, Anthony is not uh, um, a free agent this this offseason, but like it, you're just not teams aren't willing to move cap space right now to make to make moves. They're just not because they want to keep that cap space open. Yeah. Well, so many teams have high hopes for his coming off season. Right. Everyone I mean, thinks they're going to win some yeah. f- free agent sweepstakes, which is, I'm sorry, you're probably not. It's unreasonable. Yeah. But, I mean, I get why a lot of teams think that way. Um, uh, uh, Jalen Rose has reported. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, that's a weird statement. I don't know how to take this, but he's talked about it. And he said he's, Anthony Davis is going to make his way to the Lakers to play with LeBron um, this next offseason. Uh, and I don't know whether to take that seriously or not, but it would make sense because... I wouldn't want to play for New Orleans, New Orleans either. When you're just keep constantly getting beat up by teams like the Warriors, and you're getting outclassed by yeah. Minnesota, and with Jimmy Butler, that is. So my only concern with that idea, though, is how in the world are the Lakers going to get him? Anthony hey. Davis still has three years left on his contract if you're counting this current offseason. So if you try and trade for him next year, he's making $27 million you're a year. You're going to have to match that. How are you supposed to even come close to matching that when you have everyone on one-year deals, LeBron, and then your young players? Are you just going to give up all of your young players? Give because up Lonzo. <laughs> you'd have to go out and then sign someone for a sign-in trade on a three-year deal. I don't know... 
one, what player is going to sign with the Lakers knowing, hey, you're getting traded to New Orleans as soon as you sign right. this deal? No player is going to do that. And then if you tell them you're not going to do that and then do it, it just <laughs> terrible relationship yeah, exactly. then. So I'm not sure how you would actually make that work. I'm sure you could find a way to make it work. But I'm not sure exactly what you would do to get Anthony Davis to L.A. Prove me wrong, yeah, and maybe they will. But I don't feel as certain about that just because of the numerical breakdowns. And also, Jalen Rose reporting. I can't get that out of my mouth. <laughs> right. It's just sour it's, taste. It, it sounds weird. Um, but he also is a former player and probably has lots of connections. Yeah, that's and true. It, and has heard something, and, and it could just be someone feeding him BS. Could be. Um, but I feel like Anthony Davis is going to try to make his way out of New Orleans at some point. That, the idea of that makes that, sense. That the makes Lakers sense part to, doesn't. Yeah, the location... Uh, whatever, like yeah. uh, I, I think there's. I mean, the Knicks have a lot of cap. Um, this Him next Porzingis and Porzingis that'd be nuts. Um, and th- I feel like there are just a lot of teams who would be willing to move mountains and everything else to get Anthony Davis. Oh yeah, which you should. Anthony Davis is a very good player. He and is rarely a one one of a kind player. Um, now that we've uh, <laughs> made all of the Pelicans fans press. Um, hey, you have Mardi Gras. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Andrew Brees. Um, the Rock- Rockets getting Carmelo Anthony. Um, and it's more towards the Rockets offseason. Yeah. Um, like, wh- what in the heck are you doing? Exactly. Like, you're expecting Carmelo to switch with... The Warriors, who you see as your rival, yeah. so when he's on the floor and um, down, or when he's on the floor down the stretch and in, in tight games, do you want Carmelo Anthony on Steph Curry? Kevin Probably Durant? not. No, there's no probably <laughs> there. It's you don't, you don't. Uh, so in like his beef with D'Antoni in New York, I, people say people have reported around that situation that oh, it's in the past. I don't think that's in the past. Yeah, I, I could definitely understand that. Well, there's one side of that equation that I don't think lets go of these type of things. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's a different spot in his career now. He And again, saying it took him a while, but he eventually said, yeah, I guess I could come off the bench. That means I don't want to come off the bench, and I'm not going to. Maybe hit, and we talked about this last week on the podcast, Maybe his relationship with CB3 changes some of that. Yeah. But, again, this team is super thin, and if CB3 and and or James Harden goes down, hopefully that's not the case because I think the NBA is much better when all the stars are playing. But then you're relying on Carmelo Anthony, and he's not, not a great defender, never has been, and his jump shot is not the same. No, it's not. And, yeah, I don't know if he can be what they need him to be, which is still a three-point shooter. I know in the preseason he was taking more, but what happens when you're on game 37, right. you're at Memphis. Don't quote me on the fact that the Houston Rockets <laughs> in game 37 are at Memphis. I don't know that. Um, Just that scenario. That, Some- that idea, is he still going to be on board with coming off the bench, playing 15, 20 minutes a night, and you stand in the corner, you stand on the wing, and you take threes? I don't know. He didn't like that in Oklahoma City. Yeah. So I don't know if that CP3 relationship, that James Harden relationship, is enough to change that. If it is, then CP3 definitely needs to be a GM the moment he retires. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, I'm not. I'm with you. I'm not sure how this works out. And again, that was 
touching on last week. That was my team to take a step back. Yeah, makes uh, sense. But I just don't. I don't get this mellow signing. I don't understand why that. I don't. I, it doesn't. It makes them worse. I think overall, and, and not bringing back Ariza, but bringing back Mello doesn't really equate to me. Anyways, now that we've um, <laughs> beat these teams to death, <laughs> yes. Uh, what are some under the radar moves you really liked? So, this first one, I don't think this team's going to make the playoffs, but I think they'll be better. Um, I think Kyle Anderson to Memphis mm. is a slow-mo. good move. Um, slow mo. He is someone who I think could start for this team, uh, which is useful. And for the contract they got him on, under $10 million per year on average, I think that's a pretty solid contract. Mm. You mentioned Chandler Parsons earlier. Uh, (laughs) In theory, he should be the starter. But in all actuality, we kind of have been down this road before. So Kyle Anderson, there's a pretty decent chance he could start anywhere from 20 to 60 games for Memphis for the price they got him at and at worst he's a tradable contract I think Memphis made a good move here they're not quite sure where they're going I don't think between Gasol his contract you have Conley locked up so that's nice but Parsons is going to be coming off the books here in the near future I think it's a nice move something to have on the books moving forward that I'm not saying he's a building block but he's someone who could be helpful and then the second one I had was Jeremy Grant resigning with Oklahoma City. Love no, that move. You're a fan. Um, I think he's your starting power forward. Um, really? Over Patrick Patterson? Yeah. So, in theory, well, I want Patrick Patterson to work because I've always really liked Patrick Patterson, and I'm not sure why. He shoots so well. I don't know I why know. Oklahoma City doesn't let him shoot. Anyway, I continue. Um, well, we can get into that on a I, We could have pod. a whole podcast on me ranting about Oklahoma yeah. City and their issues. Um, maybe if the NBA stops supplying us quality content, we can right. get to that. Right. But I'm not sure if that day will come. Anyway, uh, I think he could very much start as your starting power forward. Again, another guy, sub $10 million per year contract. You got him for good value. And if he never becomes that starter... Because he's shown he can knock down a three. He's Mm -hmm. a good defender. He seems to work well with Russ. He seems to work well with PG. If he never becomes that, then he's a really good small ball center coming off the bench, and he's a really useful player in the playoffs. He's he's that stereotypical Oklahoma City Thunder, super athletic, super yeah, super long, just like super everything that Sam Presti like rated yeah, for him a for couple sure. seasons ago. For sure, and. He has value. He will pretty much from the get-go. And you never know with injuries, the whole uh, Andre thing being out. The guy who's shown he can handle that pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty confident that that move is going to be a plus for Oklahoma City right away and in the future because you never know with this team. Sam Presti likes to kind of swing for the fences sometimes between uh, Paul George or other moves they've made. Scared money, um, don't make none. Nope. So, uh, who knows? Maybe he becomes something like that in the near future because another team just really values him as one throw you, you know, quality picks. I think that's a pretty solid move that will help this team. The Kyle Anderson move makes them a solid team. That Jeremy Grant trade or uh, re-signing, sorry, elevates them to what I have predicted as a top three seed in the West this year. That's a bold move. That's a bold, bold. That's a bold strategy, Cotton. Yeah. See how it works out. Okay. 
Um, so I, I really liked what the Clippers did this offseason. Um, and that's they're not really trying to compete. They say, they might say they are, but they're not. They're still super flexible for this yeah. next offseason. Um, and they got two, I think, solid picks in Shea Gilgis. Shea Gilgis Alexander and Jerome Robinson. Um, they got uh, two lottery picks. They went out, got Lou. Luak Mbamute. I cannot say his name to save my life. Uh, they also traded for Marcin Gotrat, filling it in for DeAndre Jordan, um, which I think is a, is a still flexible for next year and maybe going out and getting a star. Who knows? Probably. They're one of those teams that they have tradable contracts. And right. I know I keep bringing that up. So if we're throwing out this whole Anthony Davis to L.A. thing, why not be the Clippers? Right. They got all the tradable contracts. I mean, Kawhi said he wanted to play in Los Angeles, not necessarily the Lakers. Yep. So that's one of those things. Like, they'll have contracts just pretty much anywhere they look on their roster that can be traded. Tobias Harris is a very nice piece. Yeah. And uh, if you just need salary filler even, you got guys like Danilo Gallinari mm-hmm. uh, and other dudes. I know you don't want to trade Boban, but, I mean, he's an option. Kobe. Yeah, you have guys like uh, Milos Teodosic. you got mm-hmm. other dudes like Patrick Beverly. You can make the salary work they, pretty easily. They kind of remind me mm, less competitive but they kind of remind me of the Indiana Pacers in mm-hmm. terms of, like, they're going to play really hard, and they're going to probably kick yeah. you in the butt some nights, and they're going to stay competitive. They're not going to lose by yeah. like 30, 20 points every game. They're going to lose some, a lot of games yeah. because they don't really have a superstar, which you need to win in the NBA. But um, I just kind of like their roster and where they're at right now. I think um, they're in a smart place. They're not over paying for anybody right now i don't think so it's just kind of they're in a nice situation they're yeah. flexible um and i think all of their moves could equate to someone like Kawhi mm-hmm. or an anthony davis yeah. so um it's not necessarily winning right now but it's future proofing yeah setting yourself up for success they're not nearsighted they're getting um Future, future, far-sighted. Uh, almost said future-sighted. Which on this earlier, I like the Spurs kind of getting reorganized for the future okay. again. Um, going out and getting Demar Derozan. Um, this is the first season without Tim Duncan, and so what does this look like? What does this future look like? Yeah. I think getting Demar will keep um, the playoffs. <sighs> And maybe that equates to something else down the future. I know that DeJunte Murray, uh, DeJunte Murray, sorry, I, I always make fun of his name and say <laughs> it wrong now, <laughs> um, is out this year. But I like Lonnie Walker. That was a good pick. Yeah. Um, um, so, I, I don't know. I kind of like where the Spurs are at. Again, kind of thinking in the future. Um, the one time they did tank in the last 20 years, they got ended up getting Tim, du- Tim Duncan, and that worked out really yeah, well for them. Did. So, um, I just kind of trust that organization to do be really smart, and I don't think the Spurs team we have now is the final product. Hmm, that's um, interesting. They, they haven't been known for making big trades in the middle of the season, but I think this year they will have to because they're not in that comfortable Duncan, Ginobili, Parker yeah. era. Yeah. Um, so I, I just think they'll they'll make moves. I feel like DeMar to the Spurs have been kind of looked at as a negative for them because they are. Yeah. Just watch, Matt. I'll, just watch. I will. It kind of sucks for this team that, like you mentioned, Murray. 
that Lonnie Walker is out with a knee injury mm-hmm. for, they're saying, six to eight weeks, I think it was. And then Derek White, who's someone else that they drafted in the first round a couple years ago out of Colorado, also like got hurt. Yeah, he's a good shooter. That was always his biggest skill set. And he's hurt also for about the same amount of time as Lonnie Walker, I think. Um, you know what? Not sure on that. Let me check on that real quick. But... Derek White being out, Lonnie Walker being out, DeJounte Murray being out. That's a lot of guard depth that you already didn't really have. I like Patty um, Mills, too. I like Patty Mills. You have Marco Bellinelli. You have DeMar. DeMar can play the two. Rudy DeMar, Gay. Yeah. Rudy Gay at this point, I think, should be more of a four. But I, you can get by with him at the three. Mm-hmm. So you uh, kind of think that that's kind of how this offseason played out. They haven't really been hit by the – I know the Kawhi thing, but that was a little bit different. So – We'll see how the Spurs get it together, but I do agree with your overall point that they are getting a path together so the future becomes a little bit clearer. There, There knowing, is going to be a San Antonio yeah. future without Greg Popovich yeah. and R.C. Buford. Yeah. What does that look like? I don't know. I think they'll be set up really well. And Derek White, I'm just looking at this, um, I think is going to miss six to eight weeks, like you said. Yeah. Um, with a, an injury I'm not going to try to pronounce because I've already butchered in, two things. It's in his heel. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just think the Spurs, I trust Popovich and Buford to get this organization in a spot where it's going to be okay. Yeah. They're not going to be non-competitive. I, there's n- never been a Spurs team who's not been competitive yeah. for a reason. Yeah. Makes so... Sense. I, I just kind of like what the Spurs did this offseason. And plus, you kind of get out of the shroud of, well, is Kawhi going to play? Is he? Does he get yeah. along with the whoever's there? Um, and that, that has been over this franchise since uh, the, they lost to the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Jimmy Butler. I'm really appreciated that interview he did with Rachel Nichols. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to go watch that. It's the one I saw where he's very honest about what he... Uh, there's a few things in case you've been living under a rock for the last few days or didn't have internet. And, yeah, I don't know what else, what other reason you could have. I don't like but, following NBA Twitter yeah, for reason. Yeah, but you really love this podcast. Um, <laughs> so he decided to show up to practice, which I thought was a little surprising, but when you consider the fact that the CBA has pretty significant fines for players who don't come to practice and to come to games for reasons like this, makes sense a bit more why he decided to show up. Business um, decision. Yeah. Keep your money in your pocket. Uh, then he had an incident with Scott Layden where he was yelling certain words um, <laughs> that weren't <You> kind. <laughs> yeah, some variation of that statement. Um he was working on Carl Anthony Towns in the post and just giving it to him, apparently. Um, just really going at him and challenging him. And then, allegedly, in a scrimmage, he took the third stringers and knocked off the first stringers, which I can really appreciate because it's the NBA. Every given night and can knock you out. And he showed, I can do it with... Who the heck knows? Tyus Jones and so, company. <laughs> okay, Tyus Jones should not be a third stringer, but that's just a Tom Thibodeau thing. Um, but any team can walk into Minnesota, or you might have to fly somewhere on a back-to-back night, and there's a lot of good teams out there. And if you can't handle Jimmy Butler and third stringers, how in the world are you supposed to handle just a competitive team? Golden like, State. 
Golden State. You know, let's Lakers. even bump it down a little bit. Okay, the Lakers. Uh, what if we even just go like a average team? What about the Los Angeles Clippers? Yeah. Like, what if the Clippers just show up on a back to back, and you're just not really there? They're gonna play hard. They're nope. gonna. They might outwork. Yep. Outwork you for four quarters. Yep. So I think that was a uh, a good wake up call to the rest of Minnesota how important Jimmy Butler is, but also ruling this league is. I like to talk a little bit more on that Rachel Nichols interview. One, Rachel Nichols is fantastic. Um, if you ever want to come on, Rachel Nichols, we got a seat here for you. <laughs> you're fantastic um, on the jump and do fantastic NBA things. Yeah. And you're probably way too busy for this podcast. But yes, we would love to have you. <laughs> hey, bring Zach Lowe. Um, so Jimmy in that interview said or he was asked, what do you think Tom Thibodeau thought of that practice or what you were doing at that practice? And he said he thought Tibbs liked it, that he thought <laughs> Tibbs went back to his office and was just sitting there smiling like, yes, that's exactly what I wanted. And he was very, like, honest about that. Jimmy Butler was like he was not kidding around he was very serious saying I thought Tibbs liked it so interesting there but based on what we know about Tibbs how he really likes to work his guys and will run them into the ground rest in peace Derek Rose's I could actually believe me um he doesn't think that everyone there in the locker room cares about winning as a to some degree for some players. Um, he didn't say any names, but he made it known that there were guys who had said that. Um, he said he honestly does not think this is a fixable situation. He said, I'm sure there's an opportunity. I'm sure it could be fixed. But if you're asking me what I honestly think will happen, he said, no, I don't think it's a fixable situation. He went on to say, um, just for clarification, Rachel Nichols asked was it just a couple weeks ago that you were saying you want to get traded? Jimmy Butler clarified no. It was four days after the season ended that he notified Tibbs that he wanted out. And then, as much as anything, he got a contract extension offer this offseason for four years, $100 million. So about $25 million per year. Uh, he, it wasn't about the money as much as the lack of appreciation he said more the way they treat the guys that he thinks are really out here working how they just <coughs> Andrew um, Wiggins <coughs> what um, so that was his bigger problem how the organization was treating himself and the others that he felt were really putting in the work versus others who weren't but were still getting paid and honestly getting paid more than him so all those points are actually fairly understandable from Jimmy Butler's perspective. You may not like the way he handled it in practice. And he said himself, maybe he didn't handle that the best situation. But he's like, yeah, I'm going to be honest. And at the very end of the day, I'm competitive. I'm going to be honest. This is what's going to happen. And it sure did happen, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. So, And based off of what the uh, Timberwolves were doing in the preseason, which I know isn't any, everything, but they went 1-4 with a negative 75-point differential. Not great. Um, yeah. Minnesota, figure this out now. <laughs> and to add to that, when Butler was hurt down the stretch of last season, Minnesota was sub-500 at a 10-13 mark and slipped from the three seed to a play-in game with the Nuggets on the yeah. final day of the season. Uh, which is not good. <laughs> no, definitely not. And that's one of those situations. Like, one, it shouldn't have gotten that bad that quickly. Yeah. You're, the rest of your team, considering you have Carl Anthony Towns. And Andrew Wiggins, who you're paying, paying like a superstar. Yeah. That team should not be sub-500 and drop in five, six playoff spots in a matter of three weeks. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. So if that wasn't a wake-up call, the preseason wasn't a wake-up call, this practice wasn't a wake-up call, I don't know. 
know what getting Minnesota blown Bucks. out by the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> yeah, I get, like that was ridiculous. So I'm not sure uh, what Minnesota is going to do in this situation. Now, what they were doing this preseason, their starting lineup is projected to be something like Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not gonna lie, that's decent. But I don't know if that's a playoff team that's on the bench, which I know in the Tibbs system only means five minutes each. But uh, Tyus Jones isn't necessarily in love with playing rookies. Kata Bates Jop out of Ohio State, second round pick, not really a uh, a rookies type of guy is Tibbs. Anthony Tolliver, I actually like that move. Big Anthony Tolliver fan. Went to the same high school. I, I was did. about to say same high school, right? Yeah, he uh, still wears those high socks, which was a requirement at our middle school. Oh, that's so fantastic. I'm I'm assuming that's the reason. But why Anthony else? Anthony Tolliver, come on the podcast. Yeah, again, why else would you wear the uh, knee high socks still? And hey, ours used to be required white, so at least he's ventured out in the colors. Yeah. Uh, and then Gorgie Jang on the bench. Who's that's on an awful contract. Yeah, again, I don't see how that's really close to a playoff team, to be no. completely honest. So I think they need to get this figured out. Whether that's a trade or not, I think they need to get this figured out ASAP. Otherwise, this lingering into the season won't be well. It's Jimmy, just going to hang over the team, man. It's yeah. going to end up in losses. I know it's not the exact same, but kind of the way the... You talked about the Kawhi situation, how I'm sure San Antonio's nice just not have to deal with that question after every single game or every single practice. Where's Kawhi? Where's Kawhi? Is he coming back? When's he coming back? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. When's Jimmy going to join the team? When's Jimmy going to get traded? What's Jimmy feeling now? Is Jimmy feeling better? All if those. Jimmy Butler says he's going to be honest and after the game being in the locker room, yeah, Wiggins... It played like crap tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Something along those yeah. lines. And you're sitting right next to him, have to go on a plane with him the next day, have to just be around, have to be a shoot-around, have to be a practice. Yeah. Like, that's going to get to be a stitchy yeah. situation very quick. Yeah. Very quick. And allegedly Jimmy Butler is considering playing when the regular season starts, which if that happens, they open up down in San Antonio. I, I'm not how... This team, guys like Carl Anthony Towns, who they just paid, was about this situation. He's getting paid $30 million a year plus. He's so. supposed to be the fran- uh, future of your franchise, supposed to be a all-time great post-scorer and yeah. scorer in general. So, what... Uh, like, how does this work? How do you fix this? Like, yeah. Tibbs, this is what happened in Chicago, and he doesn't really have a great track record of no, fixing this. Resolving this. So that's why I'm kind of unconfident in this team. I, I'm pretty unconfident in this team. Um, that's why I think it's going to get traded. Okay. I think Jimmy Butler is going to get gone real quick. So where's to start with first, and then we'll alternate back and forth. Okay, so I'm going to go with... Uh, uh, that's what Minnesota has been linked with um, the most. And for this, but I don't know if logically it'll make sense uh, for this team to pull a tra- pick for trade possibility to Miami is Butler for um, Richardson and Dion Waiters and a conditional first round pick. No, that works financially. That works fi- financially. It works in the trade machine. Tested <laughs> it out myself. Yeah. Um, I think the conditional first-round pick could be like a 2020, like if uh, it's a lottery pick and yeah. ends up being a second-rounder or something like that. Yeah. Or maybe it's just a straight-up first-round pick because Jimmy Butler would command a first-round pick. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, that's one of my that's my realistic. The rest for me are gonna be off the wall. Okay, and dumb. Um, but I kind of like the end result there. Um, all right, what do you got? So mine was kind of similar to this. Uh, mine was Jimmy and Justin Patton, James Johnson, which I feel like is a useful player, and that would let mm. Andrew Wiggins play the two and James from Miami. The tough thing is Miami, so they don't have a twenty twenty one first round pick. So first round pick. Um, otherwise, you're getting quite a ways out. And I'm not sure that's the direction Miami would want to go. Um, I'm not sure if that's the direction Minnesota would want to go. Either. I mean, Tibbs wants to win now. He's yeah. convinced he's winning now. So. I think with that in mind, it has to be a pretty soon 2019 or 2020 first-round pick. And in this situation where they're trading both Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton, I think they'd ask for it just to be a straight first yeah. um, and let it land where it lands. And I think that'd be a pretty decently fair deal. And like you, start out with Miami. Because this one very much could happen, try to make it fairly realistic, and then, yeah, it just gets wild from here on out. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give throw out one mine, and I think this would be kind of fun for a lot of reasons. But uh, here's one of my crazy ones that I don't think would make 100 percent sense. But here we go. Uh, so this one's going to the New York Knicks. Butler and Gorgie Dang get packaged to the New York Knicks, and the Timberwolves get back Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, and Emmanuel. Now, the money works out on this. It does. The logic behind it, not so much. It makes sense for the Knicks because, one, you're getting a superstar to play alongside. Um, you you have Cantor and then eventually Chris Stops. And then you have the money to pay Butler. And then you could probably bring in a second superstar yep. to help you win. And that's probably starting to get in the elite tier of yeah. um, Eastern Conference teams. I think Tim Hardaway is a fun piece. Courtney Lee is a nice piece, but Emmanuel Moutier is... Who knows? That's a hard <laughs> no for me. And, I I mean, I, it depends on if they would say yes to this. But then again, this is a crazy, like, probably not going to happen yeah. type of trade. Just trade machine fun. Yeah, and that could... I mean, I guess that could happen if someone like Tyus Jones got dealt elsewhere. Yeah. So this is like a multi-trade Like three-team... I tried to figure out the three-team thing. My That's mind just hard. doesn't work that way. It's so hard. I could not get it. So, and I didn't want to spend that much time with it. No, it's okay. Uh, so one of mine, and this is my less crazy of the two, uh, would be Jimmy Butler to the Nets. He was one of the rumored teams. Not necessarily why I picked them I don't imagine that they would ever trade Jimmy Butler to a Western Conference team. Yeah. But so I was kind of going on the D. I got a pick from the Eastern Conference. I picked the Nets. So straight up, they get Jimmy Butler. Timberwolves get Damari Carroll, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, and a future first, which the Nets just started getting their draft picks back. Yeah. So I'm not sure how crazy they would be about trading uh, draft picks. Shout out Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. <laughs> um, but. For a guy like Jimmy Butler, and if you think like you would have a really good chance of re-signing him, I think that would work out. And then for the Timberwolves' perspective, I think like Demari Carroll's just a dude that that uh, Tom Thibodeau would absolutely love to coach. He just <laughs> seems like his type of player. And Tom Thibodeau would just go back and watch Demari Carroll highlights from Atlanta, not <laughs> knowing that like years have passed since then. His knees have gotten some wear on them. Yeah, but I mean, he's on a one-year deal. It's only at fifteen million dollars. It's going to be gone pretty soon. 
Rondé Hollis Jefferson's a young player going into a contract uh, type season. You can extend him. You can probably get him at a pretty reasonable number. Mm. He's what. Thibodeau probably thinks Damari Carroll still is, um, but a really fun player. It's not a shooter. We know that. But you put him at the four next to Carl Anthony Towns, and I think that would just be an incredible combination. And then a future first, whatever you can pry out of Brooklyn. I think that would be a pretty fair deal. It would set up Minnesota well with a front court of Wiggins, Hollis Jefferson, and Towns. Mm. And then... Uh, with Brooklyn, you can probably re-sign Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. So you got to bank on your staff being able to do that. And if you can't, well, then I guess you can just let him walk. You can let Dinwiddie walk. You can try and get off D'Angelo Russell and just start all over. Yeah. So I think this would be a uh, win-win. I don't know if this is on the table at all realistically or anything close to this. I don't know if the Nets are actually going to make an offer because um, maybe they just think they can go get him in the offseason. But I would love to see them go aggressively after Jimmy Butler, secure that, and just see what happens. Yep. Um, that would be a fun move. That would be. Um, so, earlier we talked about the Pelicans. This one is for maybe the Pelicans fans who listen to this podcast. So, Jimmy Butler goes to New Orleans, and the T-Wolves get back Nikola Mirtic and Wes Johnson. I have plus two future picks, but then I realized I don't think that's probably accurate. So, probably a, like a second-round pick, Probably yeah, a I couple seconds. You conditional, know. conditional picks. I'd say maybe a conditional first. That's like top twenty protected, yeah. something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think this would kind of have that. Uh, I mean, you'd get a nice power forward and Miritich. Wes Johnson is a nice piece. He's not going to win you a championship, but that would kind of get come in full circle for Wes. I don't know. I just think that Miritich. I feel like I would enjoy watching a lineup of Wiggins. And for those of you listening, like Wes Johnson, he got traded from the Clippers to the Pelicans. Alexi Ajinka, uh, he's expected to get waived for the sake of uh, savings purposes. I, although I could see Wes Johnson sticking around. Just maybe he makes this roster. For the Clippers, it was purely a, uh, a money-saving right. move. But maybe they do, and they can use him as a trade asset. I could definitely see that being a thing. Uh, you're not trying to build around Wes Johnson. He doesn't make Anthony Davis stay at all. So, yeah, I could get him thrown in there for the sake of salary to try and get Jimmy Butler. I totally get that. Yes, his one of his best shooting years was like 37% from three. Yeah. So, like, it would add some shooting. In theory, it would add some shooting. But I, his most recent shoot, uh, year is probably closer to 34%, which, eh, it's probably, like, middle of the road. If he could play defense... Pass ball around, hit 34%. I mean, at 10, 12 minutes a game, that's worth something. I don't know how much, but right. it's worth something. So, I I get it. And, it, yeah, keep Anthony Davis. That's the whole move there, is just yeah. keeping Anthony Davis. Saying, like, we are trying here. Even if Jimmy Butler doesn't stay, which I wouldn't imagine he would, you are showing, like, an act of good faith almost. Right. Yeah, totally makes sense. Last one for me. Um, this may be the wildest out of. This is my all favorite of, one, though. And here's the thing: and like, this is gonna sound dumb, but on some level, I could actually see this happening, just, just because the of the dysfunction. And so, if you didn't listen to episode one. 
throwing out another teaser. Go listen to it. My dysfunction team was the Washington Wizards, and I personally think they're going to blow up this year. Dwight Howard, John Wall, you're just asking. I think that it would be really fun if they made a move for Jimmy Butler. So the trade I have is Jimmy Butler and Jeff Teague. So a combination, a pretty good combination going to Washington. The Timberwolves receive John Wall, Kelly Oubre, and Jason Smith, just for the sake of salary filler. Um, Washington's pretty hard against the tax, too, so they got to be careful. They just can't take on tons of money. But that would mean you're pairing up Jeff Teague, Jimmy Butler, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, and whatever you got at center. That's a dang good team in the East. That is a top four, top five team in the East for sure. Um, Just talent-wise, who knows how it all come together. Defensively, that's such a fun team. That would be fantastic to have that lineup out there. So that'd be a big John Wall. It's just not working out. Like, you're just kind of over that. Um, You gave it a try. You gave it your absolute best. You played the man. Sometimes you've got to know when to call it. So if that happens, you aren't sure about paying Kelly Oop. Why not, I guess, if you're Washington and you're like, we don't want to blow it up. We don't want to keep giving it. There's a chance you could resign Jimmy Butler. But if you don't, well, he's off the books for the following season. So he could be gone unless he decides to come back. Which And Brad Beal, Otto Porter, build towards the future. Uh, I think that's a pretty good option to have. If you are Minnesota, well, you lost Teague and... You don't play Tyus Jones. Again, I could just go on and on about Tyus Jones, <laughs> about why this is ridiculous. But anyway, uh, you could have John Wall, Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, and then you could... Tom Thibodeau, you can keep Taj Gibson. He can be your starting <laughs> four. Fine. Um, that's, again, that sounds like a pretty decent team. Yeah. And in the Eastern Conference, again, it's... All, or in the Western Conference, it's all about, could that team work together? In theory, with Jimmy Butler, the team Minnesota currently has should be a playoff team. Right. With this trade, they should still be a playoff team. It's all about how it comes together. The reason you make this trade is just... Everything hit the fan, and it just exploded right. all over, and you just can't make it work. So, out of all these, I would so bad want this to happen. This, just is, the, to, this is by far the best version of the NBA, uh, like, in terms of, like, crazy off-the-wall trade, and then you get two really fun teams out of the deal. Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, well, you know, Washington absolutely stole from Minnesota. It's nothing like that. And also, it kind of gives John Wall a new look. And It does. Uh, him and Carl Anthony Townsend pick and roll is kind of frightening. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. So, that's it. I, by far my first one, and I'm jealous I didn't think that. <laughs> but, uh, so you keep yeah. going with it. I, I like this question. I, I feel like you can set it up the best. So, Go for it, Matt. really started coming out. I said, what if Minnesota, Tom Thibodeau, someone overruled uh, back at the 2017 NBA draft. What could they have done instead? In my opinion, close to what it is. So in my opinion, they wouldn't have gone and Andrew Wiggins. Mm -hmm. So unless they are still looking to move on from them. And then a draft pick. So that draft pick, realistically, could have been Laurie Markkinen, who the Bulls took um, with that trade. Could have picked Zach Collins, who Portland took a couple picks later out of Gonzaga. Or Bam Adebayo from the Miami Heat. Ironically, the player you are trying to (laughs) trade for now. 
Um, put him next to Carl Anthony Towns and just let him play ridiculous defense. And I think that would have worked actually pretty well. Again, kind of a fringe playoff team. Depends on how Cat and Wiggins, uh, Levine develop. But uh, could have been really fun. And then the offseason money they spent in your boy Andre or Jonathan Simmons. Wings that could have been. Jonathan yeah, Simmons. I could have got a couple of those guys for the money you paid Jeff Teague, which was almost $20 million a year. And they did. You could have had some nice depth. You could have had another young player. Um, could have just worked out in a completely different way than it did. Maybe. Maybe you couldn't have landed any of those guys, but Jonathan Simmons went to Orlando. You know he would have wanted to be in a winning situation. Like yeah. he wanted to get paid, but he probably also wants to win a yeah. little bit. And I mean, he got paid by by Orlando. I think it was right around six million dollars a year. Yeah. Darren Collison is getting paid under ten million dollars a year for Indiana. Those two right there is Jeff Teague's contract. Mm-hmm. So if you, those guys signed for what they did, Tyreek and two, three of those guys, I don't see. How Jeff Teague, I like Jeff Teague, straight up, plus the draft pick you would get. Yeah. So I mean, Wiggins, uh, what do you uh, what do you think about to this question? So going back and looking at that 2017 draft, I, I'm assuming Minnesota would have done its homework and said, "Yeah, Donovan Mitchell's our dude." Picked really like that team. <laughs> um, so I would assume I would pick Mitchell because he's obviously on a lot of draft boards. Not all, but a lot. They had him up around the nine range. So the fact that he got picked by Utah a couple picks after isn't like super I far have the down. Benefit of high tight. Yeah, you do. Twenty seventeen teams do not. Uh, <laughs> nope. But he definitely would have gone a lot sooner than seven if people knew how good he would be. But um, I would assume Minnesota just take pulls the trigger, and that's also assuming you trade either Dunn or Levine. Yeah. Um, probably trading Levine and keeping done, but I could see going either way for that one. Yeah. Um, so your lineup could be trade both of them and go get Collison or Teague, mm-hmm. and then you have Mitchell, Wiggins, Gibson. Him, too, for a two-year $28 million deal. I think they're going to make that move no matter yeah. what. Yeah, and really fun. It could run into the same issues. Donovan Mitchell could not be the same player he is now. Yeah, true. As they are. M- Mitchell, Wiggins, and Cat. That's, That's an incredible something going for the next eight to ten years. What you're looking like in Boston yeah. with you know those players and that kind of depth. But I don't know. Uh, it, it's it's an interesting thought experiment. I think marketing on this team is really fun too. Like that just, offense would be nuts. Defensively, like okay, maybe not as great. Maybe it's know. the Bulls, like what we have now true <laughs> with the bulls but um it's still a fun thought experiment no definitely definitely is okay we're into our last segment here and this is the best one i think because we're talking about actual nba games yes. we're not talking about theories and cap space and all this jazz which is a lot of fun and i enjoy but regular season opening tomorrow well Tonight, if you're listening on Tuesday, or yesterday, if you're listening on Wednesday. Time travel. Time travel, whatever that is. Uh, Sixers Celtics, first NBA game. Your team, what are you looking for, Matt? So, opening it up on Tuesday night. Uh, 
ironically, my note wasn't about the Celtics at all because I'm not worried at all. Uh, I said, how much, if at all, will Philly force feed Markel Fultz? They've already said he's a starter. They already said J.J. Reddick's going to come off the bench. You alluded to that in episode one. Uh, it's been reported out of Philly that that is indeed true. So I'm curious, are they going to try and get him touches early on, or are they just going to kind of let him get into the flow on his own and more feed Embiid and Simmons? Irving's playing. Kyrie's playing, right? As far as I know. Yeah, I heard little reports. You know, he's not 100%. But uh, from what I've gathered so far... It's- My question is, you're taking this dude who who docu- has been documented that is comps game, and you're wanting him to guard a top five point guard to start off the bat. Yeah. I don't, I don't- Even if you move him onto Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, don't tell me he's not going to get worked Brad by those Stevens guys also. He's got to say, okay, yeah, just whoever offense. Whoever yeah. offense on market. They'll pick and roll him to death. They'll get him switched on Al Horford. It could be just a dumpster fire. Granted, starting doesn't necessarily mean much. You could He could play 15 minutes and J.J. Reddick could close that game out for yeah. him. Yeah. Um, but that first, those fifteen minutes could be really bad and could set him back again uh, because he started the season last year. He played what ten games Something to start like start the season and then just was a DNP essentially for the yeah. rest of the season. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else you want? Well, I was going to say he gave a really interesting interview with Isaiah Thomas, like the Denver Nuggets Isaiah Thomas for the Players Tribune. Um, again, tweeted that out. Uh, go check that out on our Twitter handle at NBA Couch GM Pod. Um, where in the video that it uh, pops up right away, he's only about a minute. He talked about how he just really wanted to be out there last year, and he thought he could just play through the injury, and that made it worse. And eventually, there came a point where he realized he had to shut it down, but then he tried to rush back too quickly, and that's why he was letting all the cameras in and getting all this video of him shooting and good, bad, and ugly. Uh, they were getting all the footage because he just wanted to be back out there so bad, and he said it took him a long time to realize like just what it took to physically playing the NBA and how if you're not right, then you can really get exposed. So really honest, really uh, candid interview there. I think talking to Isaiah Thomas, a player who, different type of injury, but same situation. Going the same thing. Yeah, yeah I think uh, made him open up a bit more. And, you know, seemed like a good kid and always heard that coming out of Philly. So I'm interested to see, you know, what kind of mindset he has as the day. I'm back. I'm going to command this. I'm going to be the person that puts this team over or is it just going to be a get your 10 12 points shoot six seven eight shots and just kind of see what falls and what doesn't yeah or not so that's kind of what i'm looking for uh right now nice um so i this question mark is going to surround Boston for, I think, the first couple weeks, maybe month. But how will Brad Stevens handle all the talent and depth? How is he going to manage those lineups? Who is he going to play? Where and why um, is Terry Rozier going to get closing minutes? Is Where is he going to play? Is he going to be the sixth man? Is all this wings? And also... What about Gordon Hayward? Like yeah. he he's how do you get him back to 100% yeah. and being 100% confident and not dislocating your um so I I think that's kind of just interesting things. I don't think Boston by any stretch of the imagination this is going to hinder them whatsoever. I think Brad Stevens is super smart and will figure it out a lot smarter than me. Brad yeah. Stevens, if you want to come on the podcast, the invitation's always open. Always open. Uh 
But I, I just think those are th- some things to look for early on in the NBA no, season. Definitely. Hey, what would you pick for this game? So I got the Celtics winning by a score of 120 to 115 because I think uh, it'll be a little bit high scoring game. Yeah. Uh, I got Celtics 111 to 104. So a couple possession game. Essentially, yeah. either way. It's yeah. essentially the decision there. Okay, second game of the season. The Thunder and Warriors. Oh, good God. That's the late night game. And uh, all of a sudden, this Russell Westbrook is hurt, and Steven Adams is questionable uh, now. Uh, did I'm, you see his quote the other day? Which one? Uh, it was about Paul George coming back. No, I don't think he I said, did. <laughs> I don't pay attention to that stuff. Uh, <laughs> Except he used it explicitly. And he said... I, uh, he said essentially along the lines like whoever shows up, cool. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is the most Stephen Adams quote ever, but his really funny. Anyway, uh, what are you looking for for the Warriors? So we've talked about them in the last couple podcasts about how serious they're going to take this year. So I'm curious, knowing Bogey's not playing, uh, just try to set a tone early. Are they going to come out and you know just kind of want to prove a point that they are indeed the best team in the NBA um, from day one, or do they just kind of show up? So I'm interested to see what they do uh, kind of more in the first quarter as much as anything. Do they come out just guns a-blazing, and especially if the Thunder are shorthanded, do they just put them away early? Or do they just kind of let them stick around and then do Kevin Durant, Steph Curry type things in the second half? Yeah. They're the best team in the best differential in the third quarter of any NBA team last season. And that's because they were like, oh, yeah, we're the Golden State Warriors and in the third quarter. I guess we can try. Yeah, I guess we can actually start playing basketball. Um, So I'm interested to see how Paul George handles playing without Russ because that hasn't really been a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, He had a stint in um, uh, uh, Indiana. I don't know why I couldn't think of it. How does he handle that, and what does this team look like without... Because that could be a thing in the near future. We'll win this game. Um... But what's your prediction? So I just had to change it with the But as of right now, I got 124 to 109. If he comes back, I can see I'm feeling generous. With him, this this game is a lot more fun because Russ is going to be amazing to see. But um, anyway, uh, I got the Warriors winning by a score of 130 to 106. I don't, yes. And I think that 106 is like garbage time getting to 106. Uh, I think this is a blowout. Uh, the Warriors should blow this game out. Especially if there's no rest. Yeah. If there is rest, it's a different game, but without them. Without, yeah. The, the, yeah, that is assuming without Russ. And I think they should, um, like you said, kind of set a tone that saying, like, yeah, Houston, that was cute last year, but this year, we're the best team. Yeah. We're going to win 65 games again. That's a very real possibility for Tuesday night, October 16th, as the NBA season opens. Yeah, let's get to the quick predictions for the rest of the NBA week. Um, let's rapid fire these Bucks be five. Uh, next game up, Heat and Magic. All right, so I got the Heat 103 to 90. Unoriginal. I can't come up with a different score <laughs> other than 94. All right, uh, the Nets Pistons. So I got the Pistons 105, 102. And I got the Nets 112, 104. Player, Jared Allen for most improved player. All right, Grizzlies Pacers interconference game. So Pacers win 112 to 99. I think this is going to be a little bit more defensive, and I've got the Pacers still winning uh, 99 to 95. Okay. Um, the Cavaliers Raptors. Wow. I made a little note. Probably not what the NBA thought it would be. 
yeah, definitely not the, what the NBA thought it would be. So I got the Raptors winning one fifteen to ninety seven, and I have the Raptors winning one twenty six to one oh seven. The post LeBron era for for good is not going to be kind yep. to Cleveland. Uh, Hawks Knicks. This I do not care about this. Uh, Knicks win one oh four one oh one. I got the Knicks winning ninety eight to ninety four because I have a hard time believing that either of these teams are going <laughs> to score hundred points. You uh, don't want to believe it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Pelicans Rockets. So I think this might be the best game of the day. Seventeen. Uh, uh, they should put the Pelicans away pretty pretty handily if they are the team that yeah, interesting uh, how much this could change if Jimmy Butler plays even if he I've got the Timberwolves winning 106-103 I just think that maybe just maybe that they'll figure this thing out <laughs> but maybe not <laughs> maybe not uh, Jazz Probably. Kings this is kind of a snooze fest I Kings guess. by 30 yeah uh, Jazz win 112 to 95 I got the Jazz winning 105 to 87 because I don't think the Kings can score 90 Maybe. points. <laughs> Maverick Suns, this is uh, uh, DeAndre Ayton, Luka Doncic. Yeah, ABS. I like that early. Uh, I got Mavericks 108, 102. I got the Mavs 118 to 102. And Can't come up with a creative second <laughs> score again. Nice. Uh, Nuggets Clippers with the last one. So last game of the night, uh, Nuggets win 122-114. I got the Clippers winning 128-125 because the Clippers started super hot last year, and I think they can do it yeah. again. So if you're wondering what about the Bulls, Wizards, Lakers, and Blazers, they don't open till. Thursday, so we're not calling their games. If you're not willing to show up to a Wednesday game, <laughs> then you don't get a prediction. Nope. Not, not on this podcast. We're not having nope. it. Those are the rules. Um, read the fine print, please. <laughs> uh, that's all we got. You got anything you want to add before you want to add any trash talk to this NBA season? Well, I'm just excited that we're actually getting to get into games a little bit over the next few weeks. We'll talk about games specifically, but also about some of these other things going on in the league. I'm not I don't ever feel confident about predictions, so I'm yeah. kind of glad we're getting away from that now. Um, we can talk. It'll be a fun ride. Um, thank you so much for listening, and if if you're still with us, follow us. We've talked about it multiple times on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Podcast. Uh, subscribe really. So um, again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you back next week.